This episode of Adulthood Made Easy is sponsored by Open Account, a podcast series created by Su Chin Pak and Umqua Bank. Open Account explores through honest and sometimes comical interviews our uncomfortable silence around money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. On our very first episode of this show, way back when, it was about negotiating your first salary. So right out of college, what to do when you land that first job, get that first offer, how to talk about money. A lot has changed since then. I've learned a lot. Hopefully you've learned a lot. And since it's a tough thing to master, I don't think there's any harm in revisiting the issue. But today, I thought we'd focus more on negotiating a raise, how to do it, when to do it, and what to do if it goes horribly wrong. So joining us is Professor Margaret Neal, the Adams Distinguished Professor of Management at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University. Her most recent book was co-authored with Thomas Liss, Getting More of What You Want, and it was published by Basic Books in July 2015. She is the faculty director of Negotiation and Influence Strategies and the executive program for women leaders at Stanford. So welcome, Professor Neal. Thanks very much, Sam. It's great to be here. It's great to have you, and you are such a negotiating expert, so I'm sure that you have a lot of great advice for us, stories for us from your students, from your own personal experience. And what I'd like to start with is really how you got here. You have a class at Stanford that's totally totally dedicated to the negotiating process. I mean, how did you become such a negotiating pro? (laughs) Years and years and years of work and effort. I... You know, one of the things I think is really sort of a truth is is sort of the adage that faculty study what they're worst at. And it certainly was true for me. I was someone who avoided conflict. I was someone who tried to get along by going along. And then when I went to start my doctoral program, I was faced with an important question, that is, what did I want to study in the context of business? Um, And I thought, what a great time. I'm going to learn how to be more effective in managing conflict and negotiation by studying it. And I'll know so much more than everybody else across the table from me. And can you talk a little bit about this class that's at Stanford? I mean, was it something that you started with the program or was it something that was always there? Because it seems kind of unique. I mean, I would have loved to take a class on negotiating in college, but it just wasn't there. Well, it turns out that a lot of the, especially in the MBA programs, in the sort of mid-1980s was when we started teaching negotiation. So to just sort of sort of date myself, basically, I was in that early set of people who was in the forefront of designing a course on negotiation. What was really interesting is that there were a lot of people just like you who thought, wow, this is something I really need to take. And it spread like wildfire, both in the graduate and undergraduate level. And so now most all MBA programs have it, and many undergraduate programs have courses on negotiation. The one at Stanford was already here when I got here, but I was I pretty much transformed it. <laughs> so. so you're approaching the idea of negotiating a raise at a job where, you know, you know your boss and you've become really comfortable there. You do have some experience under your belt. You probably have some things on your resume that you've accomplished at the job. 
How do you go into that? How do you either prepare your boss for the fact that you want to talk money and, and what do you need to do to go in feeling confident? Because confidence is probably really important. Confidence is important, but what can help you with your confidence is your planning and preparation. Right, and absolutely. that's what you need to focus on. So what do I have to do to plan and prepare or the average person, you know, who's thinking about it? Well, I think what's interesting is probably the average person doesn't think about it. So let's talk about oh, okay. the people who are going to be successful. And okay. <laughs> because one of the things we know from our research is that planning and preparation is something that people do way too little. In fact, most people think about negotiations, and you can imagine if you're really anxious about the negotiation, that what you do is you kind of you spend time getting your nerve up, and you really right. don't think about what you're going to say once you make the ask. Right. It's all about Absolutely. making the ask. So I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest that you actually step back and you spend some important time thinking about your counterpart, your boss. So your boss. Okay. Why would they want to say yes to you? And I think that's I a really know. important question <laughs> for you to have an understanding of so that you can frame your ask in a way that makes them able or even easy for them to say yes. Okay. So, for example, maybe what's happened is maybe it's the um, maybe you have a regular performance review. This is a really nice time to begin to have that begin to raise that issue of increases in in your compensation package in your resources that you get. Mm-hmm. And the reason I didn't just say a raise is because I think it's probably not in your best interest to simply focus on dollars. Because that is going to make this negotiation more battle-like. It's really easy when you just have a single issue like money to get everybody's sort of armor up and ready to do battle. Because your boss is thinking not just you know, whether they want to give you a raise or not, but if they give you a raise, what's going to happen to the line outside their office? How many more mm-hmm. people are going to be out there demanding the raise that Sam just got? Right? right. So there's got, you know, so there's more than just I want money, okay. Right? So the first question I would ask uh, after you've sort of thought about why your boss might want to say yes to you is what is it that is different about today or now than when you were hired? Well, you may have more expertise. You may have just come off of a big big project that was successful. You may have some expertise that you've developed and or you may be, for example, have more direct reports. You've got people under you now when you didn't have before. Oftentimes what happens over time is jobs get bigger, but nobody actually notices that they get bigger until one day they're really big and you're making the same money you were before. And it's not that your boss is sitting there trying to think, how much can I get Sam to do without paying her more? But it's just the natural evolution of jobs. You know, and you may have even volunteered for some of those things. Right. You want you want to accept more responsibilities and you right. want to sh- prove that you can do more. Totally. So now the question is, let's now, it, and especially if you get to have a performance review, let's talk about the scope of the job and where that lies in the compensation system. That's number one. Number two, let's talk about the other resources that you would need that in order to do your job better. And in fact, prepare yourself for the next big promotion. You're negotiating for all those future salary raises and what resources can, can your 
organization or your boss supply you with that will make you a more productive employee, will make you a better performer, and improve the likelihood that you're going to get that next promotion, that you will move up in the organization. So I so what kind of resource I guess I'm just what kind of resource when you're talking about resources what 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 are you talking about there what are you referring to Well they can be they're really dependent upon the particular position that you're in but for example resources for me right in an academic position might be more money for my doctoral students not for me for my doctoral students right uh, yeah. more lab space maybe I have a really terrible commute I'm being. This is being wild and crazy now. Maybe I could get a driver to come and drive me, and I can do work in the commute rather than commuting in, or getting to work from home for a day, right? All sorts of things oh. that might help me be more productive. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, so as you as you think about that, what I'm trying to do is push you towards when you ask, you don't just simply ask for more money, because that's really hard to explain to your boss why he or she should say yes to you. But when you put together a package that will help you do your job better, that will actually help you solve the organization's challenges and the challenges that your boss faces, it all of a sudden becomes a lot easier for them to say yes. That sounds like a great scenario. If they would say yes, if it may, if you make yes, it easier for them to great, say but yes. That means you have to do, do a lot of homework because it may be that, you know, there are some, there are some things that have changed, you know, sort of, and, and besides just wanting more money, because of course I will admit that more money is better than less. So let's, we can get right. that out of the way. But Absolutely. why has that, why is this motivation now for you? What's motivating you to decide that today, to this week, this month is when you need to ask for a raise? What's happened? What's changed? And what package of resources can help you get there? So let's talk about the homework that you mentioned that you have to do. Where do you find the research and the and the knowledge that you need to put together the package? And, you know, where are you going to find the idea for what you're going to ask for, what kind of money range you want to ask for? Like, how do you kind of start doing that research and where do you look? Well, the easiest place to look is, is actually among your social network, and not just the people who are your best friends, but people who work in organizations that are like yours, and you've already met those people. You've been to conferences with them. You've met them, you know, sort of when you perhaps were on the job market together. But one of my colleagues, uh, uh, Mark Granovetter, has said you really find the most useful information, not from your best friends, but from people with whom you have weak ties. In okay. fact, he has a paper called The Strength of Weak Ties. Yes, and what I've he definitely says is heard of people that. People who are, who are weakly tied to you are more likely to be grazing in informationally different areas. So they might, they're the ones who are going to be the per- people to be able to say, hey, you know, this is the information that I have about what I do. Um, so one of the challenges is how do you leverage your social network to find out what other people are using as resources, what other people, I know this sounds heretical, are making in similar jobs? I will say that I've I've heard that advice before, like you need to reach out to your, you know, mm-hmm. your your social ties, like you said, your social network. Mm-hmm. But I personally, I, I find it really difficult to 
cold email someone or email someone that's, like you said, a weak tie or even my close friends who are in the same industry and ask them what their salary is. Like I just – I find that to be such an uncomfortable and topic. Why, so, Sam, why is it uncomfortable? What makes it uncomfortable for you? I just – for some reason, the salary and money to me seems like a private – thing. It's like asking, I don't, I also get that way when people are like, how much is your rent? Like I, there's something about money to me that just feels like you don't ask about someone's, you know, medical record the same way you don't really ask about their salary. That's, that's how I feel about it. But I know that the advice is that you have to ask what people are making to know better, but I don't even think people are, seem really like willing to be like, ask me anything you want. Like I'll give you my most recent pay stub. Like I just... I don't well, know what it is. Well, perhaps you could try it a different way. Okay. So let me give you a story about what some colleagues of mine and I did. Okay. So when we were brand new assistant professors, we were very young, and there were very few women in business schools who were faculty. Mostly it was men, right, predominantly. I mean, my, my job, I was the only woman in a group of 40 men in my department. So there were 39 wow. men and me. <laughs> wow. And so, you know, but then there were other women who were, you know, around the country, but we, we met at an at, we basically knew each other from uh, having gone to doctoral consortium together or conferences together. And so we were sitting at a, we were sitting at a bar one evening at one of these conferences and there were about, there were about 10 of us, pretty much it was the entire population of young women faculty in business schools in organizations in the, in the psychology of organizations area. So we were concerned about what we'd be making compared to our male colleagues as the years went by. And so the deal we made with each other was that if any of us were interested, they would just have to email or phone the group, and we would tell each other our salaries, what resource packages we were getting, kind of the whole compensation perspective. Because... What we were trying to avoid was exactly the discomfort that you experience, because most women especially feel very uncomfortable asking people about their wages or salaries for two reasons. One, well, actually, it's the same reason, but one is I might feel badly if I find out you're making a whole lot more than I am, (laughs) or you might feel badly if I'm making more than you. So either way, this is a really uncomfortable conversation, but we got over that by saying, look, we're willing to... All of us are going to be equally discomforted, but we have the resource of all of us to be able to help figure out whether we are being paid in a reasonable way. So perhaps right. what you do is you have to farm a little cabal. I, I, that's probably the approach I have to take. I, I just got to take that first hurdle and make that first move, I suppose, is what you have to do. Well, alcohol helps. Just have a little alcohol, get together and say, okay, look, we got to do this because most people basically don't know how That's well very other true. people are being paid. And, and I can assure you that men ask. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the difference between women and men negotiating and what to do when a negotiation goes horribly wrong right after a word from our sponsor, Open Account. Money is one of the last great taboos, something we all need but rarely dare to discuss until now. Open Account, a series of interviews created by Suchin Pak and Umpqua Bank, explores our collective, uncomfortable silence around money. 
honest, emotional, and sometimes comical, Open Account goes deep into the most rewarding and challenging and paradoxical aspects of the number one leading stressor in America, money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. So right before the break, you mentioned men are asking and women aren't. And Mm -hmm. You teach that college course at Stanford. So can you talk a little bit about that and and maybe what some of your students are most nervous about when they come to you and, and are nervous to ask your female students? Sure. My female students actually don't want to feel that by asking, they become perceived as being greedy, demanding, or not nice. And so what happens is they often will avoid negotiating because they're concerned about the reputation, their reputation. So I, get, I think at this point we should talk about like when you actually walk into that room and you're ready to present your package to negotiate because mm-hmm. as a type A person, I really like having the script and I like knowing exactly what to do. So, you know, your performance review comes around You've done your research, you know what what your friends are making, you know what the market's like, you know what resources people are using, and you kind of have an idea of what you want to ask for. How do you frame the ask and, you know, what should you be, how should you present yourself and talk about it in the actual negotiation? Well, again, there's a lot of ways you can do it. It depends upon your your unique situation. So perhaps one way to think about this is simply to say, the performance review has gone on. You're getting a good performance review. And they're going to say, and people will typically say to you, is there anything else you want to talk about? And there's your opening. Yes, there is. I have been thinking about some ways to make this organization, to make my job more effective, this organization more effective, my team more effective, whatever, but it requires resources. And then you go into the package discussion. Mm-hmm. Maybe what you have is, you might actually have another offer. Okay. And this, this makes it really easy. The mm-hmm. last thing you want to do is not mention the job offer, right? So right. many, I've had lots of people get offers that they don't want to take, but they don't even mention it to their, to their managers because they think the manager might think that they're, you know, going to, that they're being sort of um, not loyal. Well, what if right. you did the following? And I've actually seen this work quite a few times. Your, your boss says to you, have you got anything else to talk about? And you say, yes, I need your help. Okay, well, how can I help you? I got this job offer from a competitor from another firm. It's a really nice offer. And you could even show the offer if it's nice enough. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's a great strategy to show it. And you say, and your, your boss is now probably looking at you going, okay. And you say, here's what I need from you. I would really like to stay here. Can you help me figure a way to stay here? At that point, you are not saying match this or else. That's actually a very bad strategy. Right. Uh, because your employer is likely to say, enjoy your new job. But if you say, help me figure out a way I can stay here. It does a couple of things. It mitigates the downside. What if they eventually, after conversation with you, say there's nothing we can do? You don't have to leave, right? You haven't made any threats or anything. But secondly, what you're asking for is I need your help. If you want me to stay, you know, and here's evidence that actually people are valuing my skills, is there anything that you can do? 
So let's assume I, I like to play the worst case scenario game sure. because, you know, you never it never is really what, you know, worst case scenario would be you ask for a raise and your boss tells you to get out of the office right now, pack up your desk and leave and never come back. That's probably worst case scenario. Probably That's won't happen. That's the worst case scenario. And that is, <laughs> let me be really clear here. It is possible for that to happen, but that is so unlikely. I feel like the worst case is one of two things. One being we can't give you the raise right now. You know, we're not in a position, we don't have the funds, or we can't really meet what you're mm-hmm. asking for. Or they say, you know, I don't feel like you, what you've presented is enough, it warrants a raise. Like, I just don't feel like you've earned it yet or something Excellent. like that. That's a great, that actually turns out to be the better of the two. Okay. Because what you say at that point, because remember, this is an ongoing interaction. This is not a one-time deal. Mm-hmm. So you say, I understand that you don't think that I am yet at a level in my, ex- my experience or my expertise that warrants a raise or a promotion. Tell me what are the things that are missing in my portfolio or my experience or my expertise that I need in order to meet that standard that you have set. Sure. You see, you see what you're doing right now is what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I'm going to be back. And I'm going to meet those demands, and then we'll have this conversation again. So I can see that would maybe that's not even worst case scenario. That's like middle scenario. That's middle scenario. Where it kind of gives you a a place to jump off from. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then the worst one is we don't have the money. And the answer then is well, then you know what other resources besides money? See that now you go back to the package. What other things can you ask? What other things that would be helpful for you at the moment, given that maybe the maybe you can't get the raise? that would actually make your job easier. That's why the okay. package is so important. Because you may not get everything you want, but it's easier if you ask for multiple things in a package to get some of what you want. Setting yourself up for success. Yes. Well, thank you, Professor Neal, for all of your wonderful advice. I'll certainly have to start reaching out to my friends for a, a wine and salary night. I'll define a different way to word it. <laughs> right, exactly. Maybe a little bit, but mostly W-I-N-E. Um, I really, really appreciate your time today. And like you mentioned, getting more of what you want, your new book that's just came out in July. People can get that on Amazon or wherever oh, books are sold. Perfect. Or go to my website, gettingmoreofwhatyouwant.com. There you go. So many ways to reach you. Well, enjoy back to school season. I hope your class is going well. And thank you so much again for your time today. All right. Thank you, Sam. Take care. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel, and our engineer, Laura Mayer. If you liked the show, don't forget to subscribe and review in iTunes and grab a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.